Okay, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Xavier Terminello. I'm your host. Today, you already know what we're doing. This is the neuroscience of my morning routine. Hopefully, you guys enjoy. Okay, so the two disclaimers I'm going to say is I don't want anyone to get caught up too much in the specific details of a routine. I think the most important part and the function of a morning routine is to get a semi-stable and similar thing happening. It's to form these habits. But don't let these habits hold you back from doing other things. So if you can't do one thing in the morning, don't let that you know mess up your whole day. Uh, the second thing I'm going to say is make sure to target activities that are actually helping you. If you're trying to fast and you're trying to lose weight, maybe you know eating breakfast really early in the morning isn't going to be helpful. But if you're bulking or you're an athlete, maybe you do need that. So target activities that really are suited for you. If you don't need help with you know being alert in the morning because your job doesn't cater to that, then don't do activities that aren't that are going to focus on that. Um, so I'm going to mention three things and I'm going to try and be as precise as I can, but I hope you do forgive me for any errors, anything like that. So the first one is going to be getting sunlight in the morning. Uh, now this is, this is really interesting because I didn't know the importance of this before. Actually it was the Huberman lab podcast and I'm going to come back to him in my second one. He's really, really great. I can't recommend his stuff enough. I'll put his show description in the link. He's on Spotify. He's one of the biggest, like, kind of content creators for um, education. Similar thing to what I'm doing. What he talks about and what I've done a little bit of my own research on is the importance in sunlight as a something called a zeitgeber. And so what that is, you have all, well, most, almost all mammals have something called a circadian rhythm which is kind of the natural sleep-wake cycle that we operate on throughout the day. And so two researchers found out a a while ago that without these zeitgebers or these external cues in the environment, our circadian rhythm actually lasts a little bit longer than 24 hours. Not exactly 24 hours. It's about 24 hours and 15 minutes, I believe. Don't don't call me on the exact number, but it's something a little bit longer than 24 hours. And so they went on to say, you know, how do you, how do humans, how do mammals continue to operate on 24 hours despite having a natural circadian rhythm slightly longer from that? And for that, they look to external cues or things called zeitgebers. And so sunlight happens to be the strongest zeitgeber there there is. It is a very strong cue to our body that it is daylight, we need to be moving, we need to be alert, so on and so forth. And so one of the most powerful things I think you can do, and I can speak from this from not only personal experience, not only the other research backs, but when you wake up, now, assuming you wake up in uh, when it's still when it is bright out and it's not dark out, is just go open your curtains or go find a source of sunlight in your house, and not okay. Don't stare directly in the light, but just expose yourself to bright lights in the morning. Somehow, if you if you're waking up in the dark, I mean, right now it's spring, it's daylight savings times, so I mean, I wake up at seven seven thirty. Nothing, you know, super crazy, but um, I mean, it's what works for me it's already light out and so I just go open up the curtains get a little nice dose of sunlight it helps 
keep me alert and awake. Uh, the second and can I guess third thing I'm going to say that might help other people with this. Um, I recently switched over to a different type of alarm clock. And what it is, it's not auditory, so it doesn't play an alarm. It does that for a couple of minutes. But what it initially does is it actually just turns on a light at when I want to wake up. So instead of like a noisy alarm clock that, you know, it works, it functions, it kind of buys into this idea that it's a little bit more naturally soothing to wake up to light. Because when you wake up to light, you get cued by the Zeitgeber and you wake up naturally. So it may work for you. It may it may not. I, I definitely would recommend giving it a try if you have any type of lamp that can do this. Maybe some function with like Alexa or Siri you could find out. Definitely would recommend. And then this one's a little a little dorky, but I think it works. I made um, I'm calling it a cardboard curtain, and it it just does wonders for blocking out a ton of light. And so. Pretty much what you do, just go to Walmart, buy like a ton of cardboard, bigger pieces are better, um, with less folds, duct tape, (laughs) you just duct tape it to the size of your window, and then when you go to bed, you just put it up, and this does like a tremendously good job of blocking all the lights out, and this is just a way of manipulating your environment, just so that, you know, when you're going to bed, you're not seeing any light that you don't want. And I totally forgot to mention this. I, I had all the biology or the anatomy of this. So I'm going to go into that uh, just really quickly. So you have this structure in your brain called the suprachiasmic nuclei that resides in the hypothalamus. That didn't make sense. Don't worry about it. It's kind of really specific stuff. Pretty much it's this tract that is part of your optic nerve, part of your brain, where it takes in light information, just as, you know, the rods and cones do in your eyes. And what it does is it takes a specific frequency, which is blue light, which is, you know, kind of the buzzword there that I think a lot of people know with. And it sends it to a specific part of our brain, which is part, which is the nuclei, the, the clump of cells that resides in the hypothalamus that does what I was talking about earlier with activating the alertness that has to do with our circadian rhythm and all that stuff. So first thing, get light in the morning. Highly, highly recommend it for alertness. I don't drink any caffeine. Uh, I don't do stuff like that because I, when I wake up, and this also goes into I, I get nine to ten hours of sleep. That also definitely helps. <laughs> so yeah definitely recommend getting sunlight even just trying it uh just being open to that experience if it's not for you not for you second one and i uh i might get some scoffs at this i'm totally okay with that um i take cold showers in the mornings and now i want to note this is not for any physical restorative properties someone just pulled up next to me okay um This is not for any restorative physical properties commonly associated with recovering. Um, this is pretty much pulled straight from the Huberman Lab podcast. And what they say is you should be taking cold baths within four to eight hours of exercising if you're looking to reduce inflammation. Now, this is not my aim. Again, this goes back to focus on what you want to take out of these morning activities and let that set up your day. 
I take mine before exercising so there's the least amount of influence because my aim is to have tissue adaption. And now, secondly, this is going to go into the second point. I take mine in the morning because when you get into a cold shower and um, there's kind of a lot of a good amount of debate on how cold things should be. Um, what the Huberman Lab podcast kind of says is you should just get in and be like, oh, shit, this is cold. And that should kind of be the indicator that it is cold enough. Now, I take cold showers. This is just what's most convenient to me. I also do it first thing in the morning because this is when my shower gets the coldest. If I take it, you know, 10 or 12 in the day, I just find that either I'm warmer or it's colder. Anyways, I take it in the morning. And one of the other reasons, this also has to do with wakefulness and having being alert in the morning. So not only do you have a peak in cortisol in the start of the morning, which helps to do with alignness and wakefulness, which is cued not only by the zeitgebers like we talked about with sunlight, but with taking a cold shower such as this, you have neurotransmitters. And what neurotransmitters are, there are small chemicals uh, <clears throat> that ha- that are within the brain that essentially communicate between cells within each other tons 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 of examples um, but that's kind of the basic premises of what a neurotransmitter is so you have two of these called epinephrine and norepinephrine and if you know even a little bit about the sympathetic nervous system again not going to try and go too much into this these are the neurotransmitters that are released in the fight or flight so these are the neurotransmitters. They get sprinkled throughout the brain. That pretty much just tell you, go, 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 right? Your heart rate's probably going to get elevated. You're going to have increased alertness, all that type of stuff. These get released when you take cold showers, specifically when you have that response where it's like, oh my gosh, this is really cold, right? That One more thing that's going to help you wake up, that's going to help me make you feel alert in the morning without having to take caffeine, without having to do any of those other things. Uh, There are two more things I'd like to mention. Uh, One of them has to do with uh, Huberman Lab mentions this specific property of cold showers. It's something called the Soberg Principle. And what this is, it pretty much says uh, if you finish your showers on cold, You get out of the shower and you're shivering, which um, I can assure you isn't fun. (laughs) Um, You have this thing, or I mean mammals in general, produce something called um, brown fat thermogenesis. Pretty much what that is. You have white fat, brown fat. I won't go too much into that again. uh, But brown fat pretty much helps to keep people warm, right? So when you start shivering, it goes brown fat is a type of fat that helps you from getting really cold. And so I'm not trying to train this. And so this just goes into tailor this routine to specifically what you're doing this. Because I have no necessity for, you know, producing brown fat. In fact, there's almost, and this is my line of reasoning for why I don't do this. Um, For me personally, I'm not trying to train this. And in fact, I'm don't want this adaption to really happen because I'm a distance runner. I'm mid distance. I'm trying to go fast for a short period of time or fast for a long period of time. 
So I'm trying to reduce my weight as much as possible. So I, I don't really want this adaption to happen. So, and this is where, this is going off the scientific railings. This is me talking. What I do is for 15 seconds, I just go warm, turn my shower warm, bask in that for a minute. And that's what helps me just to kind of stabilize because I've tried this and again, key thing is that you're trying this, see what works for you. I've tried this and pretty much I just get really cold for a couple hours after taking my cold shower, which is obvious, but then I'll, I'll go to class, I'll do whatever, and I'm just there shivering, not having a good time. So, I mean, make these cost-benefit analysis, do what works for you. That's the main thing I'm trying to say. Uh, one more thing, which is Huberman, uh, the Huberman Lab podcast talks about something which is top-down control, which is going into a situation you know you may be co- comfortable, you may be uncomfortable with in, and then instead of going, oh crap, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable, it's controlling that internal desire to either leave the situation or stop doing that activity and control that. So it's called top-down control. And what this does, it's great practice. It's in a controlled setting, and you get to practice kind of that being uncomfortable. This isn't quite neuroscience here. This is more talking about psychology. But it's one of those things where you get to practice being uncomfortable in a controlled setting. I think this has done wonders for me because there are so many situations, literally day to day, where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. And that's okay because I'm still going to do it. But it has you practicing that being able to do things that you don't want to do this goes whole all into the building grit building resistance building all of that that i'm sure many people are very familiar with i won't go into that anymore uh so second thing cold showers first thing getting sunlight two of the more niche things that i haven't seen no i've seen a lot of people taking cold showers i don't know what i'm saying sunlight though definitely more niche Definitely would recommend it. The third thing that I'm going to talk about is drinking water. Drinking lots and lots of water. This one is very important to me, especially because I'm an athlete. Um, There are so many things. I'm I'm not even sure I need to mention some of the benefits, but I will anyways. uh, Along with the kind of plethora of deficits that happen from being dehydrated that you can pretty much just completely avoid. Um just by hydrating. Hydration helps with uh, flushing waste, not only from your brain, but from all parts of your body. There are potential mood improvements, cognitive benefits, and improved short-term memory. Now, I'm not going to sit here and lecture on, you know, the benefits of hydration because there are so many, many articles, pieces of information stuff that talks about that what i am going to tell you is how i cue myself up for that um and so i'm going to pull a little bit from mr james clear on his book atomic habits he has it's an amazing book amazing resources for behavior change and building habits and all of that and one of the first thing he does to cue a behavior change or in he breaks this all down into four steps So what it is, it's a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about the first steps, which are planning on how you can make your response and your reward as effective as possible. And pretty much what I do is the night before, uh, I set up a water bottle right by my bedside. So the first thing I do literally before I get out of bed, no, okay, not before I get out of bed, before I go and open my curtains, the first thing I do is I just get my water bottle. Because what it is, is I get out of bed, I see my water bottle, and there's the cue. There is no place for interruption. There's nowhere where I could forget to do it because my water bottle was literally right there. And it's always full. That's another really important thing because at one point I realized I was doing this, but my water bottle wasn't full. And so I would go, I'd get cued, I'd go... I, I guess if we're going through the uh, habit sets... I cued, I crave it, I would go for the response, I'd try and drink it, and then nothing would happen. And that doesn't do anything. And so one of the really important things I always do, actually the night before, is fill my water bottle up. So in the morning, I'm drinking, no problems at all. Um, so yeah, th th those were the three main things I really wanted to talk about. I'm going to mention... Um, well, here are some honorable mentions that I think nothing to do with, well, I, I'm sure you could find neuroscience, neuroscientific implications for it, but making my bed every morning, sure lots of people have heard, uh, I, I, what's it, he's some, um, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think he's some, some, uh, some high-ranking officer in the army where it talks about like the importance of making your bed and all that stuff. That one's, I just like doing that one. And then another thing is that I'm going to talk about that's going to kind of optimize and make all of the things I've just talked about easier is setting things up the night before. Um, this just makes things exponentially easier. I think it streamlines all of this. So like setting your clothes out the night before. I For me, what this does is just one less thing I've got to think about. So it's just like if I'm get water, get brush my teeth, get sunlight, take cold shower, whatever it happens to be, it's just okay. My clothes are already out. As soon as I get out of the shower, my clothes are right there. Boom. Uh, instead of going and making breakfast, I make overnight oats. And so instead of you know getting out of the shower, putting my clothes on, and then going and making breakfast, it's just okay. I I, I just like overnight oats, but it's also one more thing that's just already done. Make setting up my water bottle, filling it with water. One more thing that it's just done. So I can't stress enough. A good morning routine, a good morning starts with a good night before, right? So getting enough rest could because, you know, no one wants to take a cold shower in the morning. If you're doing it off five hours of sleep, that's going to be significantly harder than doing this off eight, nine or 10 hours of sleep. Right. Doing hard things is just always harder with less sleep. I feel like. Anyways, that's the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys appreciated. Hope you guys got some neuroscientific understanding of my morning routine. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to at pipe.gmeetiquette. If I completely butchered anything, uh, please call me out on that. So that was the email at pipe.dream at gmail. No, wait, at pipe.dream.etiquette at gmail.com. Um, thank you. I really appreciate you guys listening and have a good one. Yeah.